seems to have this tendency to talk down to people of color. I don't know if Donald Trump is a, a white supremacist. I do know that he prefers white people over black people. White or black or Hispanic or Asian, there are people all across this country that want to do things better. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. My name is Jamal Bowie. I'm Slate's chief political correspondent and your host for today's episode. On Monday, Maisha Johnson, widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson, spoke about her husband's death in Niger, her phone call with President Trump, and the controversy around both. Mrs. Johnson felt that the president disrespected her and her husband's sacrifice, a feeling Trump has not done much to dispel. Following her interview on Good Morning America, the president tweeted in his defense, I had a very respectful conversation with the widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson and spoke his name from the beginning, without hesitation, he declared, disputing Johnson's account of events where she said that he couldn't remember his name and all but challenging her honesty. You could understand this incident as typical of Trump's disdain for decorum, his stubborn aggressiveness, and his impulsive behavior. It's of a piece with his attack on Senator John McCain in the early days of the Republican presidential primary in 2015. But it also touches on a larger story that goes beyond Donald Trump and the narrow concern to partisan politics. The Johnsons are black. This isn't an incidental detail. It is the context which gives President Trump's perceived disrespect for this soldier and this widow particular resonance in American history. From its inception, this country has had an ambivalent relationship with the idea of black military service. And in watching this controversy unfold, it's worth looking at that history to understand why this particular confrontation is so fraught with meaning. To speak about that history, we have Ted Johnson, a fellow at the New America Foundation and a political scientist who writes on race and history. But first, we have a few words from our sponsor. Joining us to talk Black Americans, military service, and patriotism is Ted Johnson, a fellow at the New America Foundation and himself a veteran of the U.S. Navy. Hi, Ted. Welcome to Trumpcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the invitation. So I invited you on uh, both because I I know you and uh, we've spoken about these larger issues of Black America and its integration in the United States and and Americanness, but also very specifically um, because you had a couple of really great tweets, I think, uh, sort of jumping off of President Trump's criticism of um, Representative Frederica Wilson and this kind of week-long dispute over his phone call to uh, the widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. And the tweets began, your, the first tweet in this Twitter thread is you say, there's a really disturbing trend, intentional or not, emerging from White House around race and patriotism, especially over the last month. When a black American critiques the president or country, the immediate White House reaction is to reframe the conversation around patriotism. And then from here, you, you note um, the response to NFL players, and you um, contrast this with Trump calling a team of white foreign players incredible patriots. Right. And then this moves on to kind of the current controversy. Uh, so what I wanted to ask is, um, you know, I, I've said something along these lines on Twitter and got a huge pushback. You know, Trump attacks everyone. He pushes back about everyone. Uh, why are you making this about race? And so I want to pose the question to you. Why are you making this about race, Ted? Right. <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you, um, I first felt it pretty acutely in the whole NFL player kneeling during the anthem debate. And a little bit last year when it initially happened, again, because that's a retired military officer and a black man, 
uh, as I, I've written that I kind of felt there was a tug at both of those identities, my black identity and sort of my military identity, and trying to resolve the tension between the two uh, without proving disloyal to either of them was uh, just an exercise in, you know, of, in a sort of self-introspection. Um, but when it reappeared this year and, and Donald Trump as president now, it started making these remarks about disrespecting veterans and the flag and the anthem in our country, the, this note that these black players doing these things meant they were no longer patriots. Uh, that's what, that was a new strain that was probably there before, that, but that I hadn't picked up on. And I started to just be a little more attuned to how the president, the White House and his emissaries, you know, they how they talk about race and then how they contrast whatever racial claim a group is making immediately with how much one loves the country or respects the country. And that seems like a really dangerous rhetorical move there. From a political standpoint, I understand uh, because the only thing in America worse than a racist is someone who doesn't love America. You know, in the in the parade of horribles, if you hate the troops, you're worse than a racist, and you're you're sort of back there with you know child molesters, and you know you're you're the unacceptable people in society. Uh, and so, it's politically speaking, you counter a an ugly claim by accusing your opponent or your adversary of being something uglier. And now, because of that claim is so much worse than being a racist. They're left to defend themselves against this new claim and completely lose the heart of the issue uh, in the meanwhile. When that's coming from the White House, this, this should be unacceptable territory here. And it, it, it really it's beginning to worry me quite a bit. So what I found so striking, and I, I guess maybe a better way to put this is what all of this evoked for me, and especially the past week, um, and you touched on this a little bit, is not just this contrasting of blackness with patriotism, but this very specific history of black Americans in the military um, mm. and the the very specific ambivalence the country has had towards black Americans in uniform. I don't think, you know, I don't think that President Trump or anyone in the White House is even aware of this history, much less trying to specifically, you know, tap into it. But right. sensing or, or seeing the president kind of disrespect, in my perception, disrespect uh, a military widow and and by kind of extension, um, someone who served does evoke this kind of not too distant period where for black Americans, like wearing uh, a uniform in the United States military, serving in the military, fighting in combat, didn't necessarily guarantee the kind of public respect that we associate with, with serving. Absolutely right. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's well known that black folks have fought in every conflict America's been in since its in inception. And, you know, what I find really inspiring uh, and compelling is, are, are those black folks that fought in the military pre-civil rights uh, movement? You know, so they were superlative citizens, in my view. They were fighting in a military for a country in which they did not enjoy the very rights that they were ostensibly defending and protecting by serving in the military and, and even spreading to, to some degree. You know, it, it's one thing to fight for something that you've enjoyed and don't want to lose. It's something quite different, I think, to fight for an idea that you watch other people enjoy, but that you've been purposely excluded from, but still be willing to risk your life and, you know, leave your family, you know, without a, uh, a father figure or mother figure in some instances, just for the idea of, uh, of what the nation said that's founded on. 
you know, and then when the nation tries to do a little bit better uh, by desegregating the military in 48, um, which was a political move to get black votes in the in the North, uh, so that Northern Democrats didn't have to rely on Southern Democrats for for election wins or, or policy pushes. They returned from World War II, and they are purposely left out of the GI Bill. And so, black veterans return and can't buy homes like white veterans could. Black they they can't go to school. So, as the middle class is created, black veterans they go back to being porters and waiters, even though they're willing. And many of them did die in combat for for the American idea. So just that incongruence between uh, the lived experience of these black soldiers, but their willingness to fight for the idea of America in hopes that one day their offspring will enjoy the fruits of their labor and sacrifice. What other example of American outpaces that, like Americanism outpaces that? That's, that is an incredible faith in, uh, in the, the, the founding principles of our country to immediately try to, to position those that are upset with the amount of racial injustice in our nation and say that they're disrespecting veterans when black veterans are arguably some of the most American acting people that have ever existed in our nation. It's, it's unacceptable. And, and um, I, I think doing this for political points is, is just a really bad and dangerous way of undermining the American idea and, and uh, trying to, to win a, a very short-term argument and debate. Right. And it's so... <laughs> There's this way. I mean, I, I was um I was recently on a like network or cable oh, not network news but um broadcast news panel talking about the controversy. And there's a funny way in which I feel like these clear resonances are are not really being seen in the mainstream conversation. Right. Um, and and thus I think a lot of uh a lot of comment is missing how much of this does seem to fit into the broader story of the Trump administration and, and Donald Trump's own politics, which is this attempt to kind of create categories of Americanness mm-hmm. um, that are tied, uh, tied to race um, and nationality, more race than nationality, right? Uh, in this, as we can see here, the fact that the Johnsons are black, um, it seems to matter more than the fact that they are connected to the United States military, right. which is why I thought that the anecdote you brought in about the hockey players is so funny because it's sort of like it, it really does kind of capture the extent to which this is a uh, the vision from Trump is a racial vision of citizenship. Yeah, no, I, you know, I liken it to other um, nations, other languages, uh, French, for example, genders, their nouns, you know, so certain Nouns are given articles with the female gender and others are, are with the male gender. And here, I think some of our nouns are raced, you know, or racialized. Uh, so if I say we want to get rid of all the drug dealing thugs, I don't have to t- say I'm talking about black people. Uh, I can claim that I am not talking about any particular race. I'm talking about all people who drug deal, who deal drugs and, and are thugs. But that comment, without a doubt, is is raced. I mean, when they say drug dealing thug, nine times out of ten, they're talking about some inner city where the population is, you know, majority black. Or for the, you know, in the instance of the guy in Maine, where he was talking about these little guy, these June bugs coming up from New York, you know, to impregnate our white women. You know, he didn't have to say these black guys. He had, you know, he all he had to do was sort of call out, you know, nicknames common in black communities to sort of convey a racial argument without bringing up race explicitly. Uh, and so I think Patriot, um, at least in maybe in, in the nation's eyes for some time now, but it's certainly crystallizing now that it's Patriot, American, these are inher- terms that inherently mean white people. And, and so 
you almost have to qualify, you know, as a, a, a black American or, or, you know, he's a, a he's a, my African American friend, a great patriot. You know, it's, it's almost like you have to add race in on top of just patriotism or just love of country or just veteran in order for folks to realize that black people can also be veterans and patriots and, and love their country. If you leave off that racial qualifier, the, the default image feels white to me. And, and, I, and I arguably, I think that's um, uh, whether this administration does that intentionally or not, I think that's been the default for some time now. What I feel like is happening here is that black and blackness, black people are being disaggregated, sort of extricated from American and seen as this other group that happens to live in the United States, uh, whereas real Americans, real patriots are, are white people. And, and again, as you, as we you know, sort of talked about, and I ran in a thread yesterday, that hockey team with the majority of its players from Canada and Europe are incredible patriots in the words of the president. And the only thing, it wasn't their nationality that had made them patriots. And he certain, certainly wasn't talking about how patriot, how much patriotism they have for their home countries. Uh, so patriot, you know, is, is associated with, with the white race. And, and, uh, and that's, Again, with all the sacrifices that, that black veterans in particular and black people in general have made for this country out of love for the country, not to be separate from it, but out of a, a deep abiding desire to be integrated fully into it, to be seen as less American, where the inspiration is inherently and like completely American. I mean, it's, it's beyond insult. What you're describing is, do you take terms like patriot, like veteran, like soldier, like troops? Troops is a common one. Um, that these terms kind of they're they're connected or they're they're being used in this way, but I think even broadly they're perceived to be white and that they're connected to to whiteness. And that too evokes right that evokes a a history, an extent to which up until pretty recently in the country's in the country's story what it meant to be a full citizen of the country, what it meant to have the privilege or, or the right to exercise certain qualities of that citizenship were tied to, uh, were tied to whiteness. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. And, uh, you know, where white nationalism and the military really merged was in the Confederacy, right? And I, and I don't think it's it's by accident that uh, folks carry around the Confederate battle flag, not the Confederate flag, the flag of the Confederate states, you know, but, but the Confederate battle flag, where people killed and died over the question of race. Um, I, I don't think it's a it's, it's coincidence that they carry the battle flag of the, the one place in our nation's history where white nationalism and conflict to the point of dividing the country sort of took hold. Uh, so you're right. This, this isn't dog whistle stuff. In fact, I mean, following the metaphor, it's kind of like this is rebel yell stuff. You know, this is a it's a it's a loud primal scream that has a very particular intent and motive behind it. What, one of the things that I've been talking about over the last couple months here is that it, the only thing that ever tore our nation apart, you know, wasn't World War. It wasn't economic depressions. It wasn't terrorism or technological innovations or nothing else tore us apart except for this one very simple question. Can black people who live in the United States be Americans? And the entire civil war was based on that question. It was not whether black people could be here in the United States, that, that they needed us here. If that's the question that tore the nation apart and we are playing with that fire now and, and trying to race who is an American and race who is a patriot, then we're, we're trying to pull apart 
the existence of a black American, of a black citizen in the United States, of a black patriot, a black veteran. Like we're trying to separate those two things. And it it was really interesting. I think there's this clip of Sebastian Gorka talking, I think it was yesterday, where he was trying to talk about black-on-black crime. Our big issue is black African gun crime against black Africans. It is a tragedy. Go to Chicago. Go to the cities. But he, instead of saying black-on-black crime or African-American on African-American, he says black African on black African crime. You know, conveniently leaving out the American part of, you know, the second half of that heist. And maybe it was a slip of the tongue. You know, maybe he was speaking too fast and, and just simply couldn't get through all the syllables. I don't know. But the fact that it's coming on the heels of all of these other ways in which blackness and patriotism are sort of disentangled, they're playing with fire, you know? And this is, if there's anything aside from nuclear war, climate change that can dismantle this nation, it is the question of the the citizenship of of its black people. And our history has proven that um, we will kill 700,000 of our own to solve it before before we're happy with the answer and and that the whatever whatever answer comes out of the the dismantling will you know again if history is our guide won't endure uh, because it's the question that remains unresolved i have been speaking to ted johnson a fellow at the new america foundation and a veteran of the united states navy thank you ted for joining us today this was a really great conversation thank you i appreciate it And that's the show for today. If you aren't following Trumpcast on Twitter, you must. We're on there as at RealTrumpCast. That's at RealTrumpCast. If you're in the Bay Area, you can see us in real life at our upcoming show in San Francisco. Details and tickets are available at Slate.com slash live. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. I'm Jamel Bowie, and thanks for listening.